Hey, this is Charge Tech Podcast, episode 52. I'm your host, Owen. And I'm your co-host, John. We're going to look at tech under the hood. How's things today, John? Pretty good. Got bad allergies because it's allergy season. Because there's two allergy seasons. What? Really? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't know that. There's spring allergy season. And then there's fall allergy season. So I guess what happens is when the pollen pollen is... Yeah, well, I I don't know if it is pollen in the second one in fall. It's definitely pollen in the first one. But in the fall, it's like... Just like the leaves falling and stuff like that. It so, But it shouldn't be fall. It's only September, really. But the weather here has been really wonky for the last... I think because of that hurricane and stuff for the last little while. So... Um, my allergies have come back out in force, so I've been like coughing mm, and sneezing, and yeah, not good. But today the weather is absolutely beautiful. It's like so nice in New York today. I can't believe so it. So we're indoors recording. <laughs> yeah. How about you? <laughs> I'm good. It's beautiful, dreary Dutch weather. It's like this gray. Uh, you've been to Amsterdam, right? Like it's that gray thing where it's just gray for a week. Yeah, it's always it. gray. Yeah, it's terrible. It. And then the sun comes out back out, and you're like, oh my god, it exists. It's not permanent. Yeah, it's terrible. Do you so want to hear like something? That. I've got I've got a interesting confirmation story to tell you. Ooh, tell me. So you know how in the past we've talked about how I've been amazed that iMessage isn't used in the rest of the world, and you're always like, "Yeah, right. in Europe they don't use it." Yeah. So, um, I'd been dating this girl who, mm-hmm. uh, well, woman who went to. Um, Columbia, and then she graduated um, this year, and then right. um, she's Brazilian. So she, after she graduated, she's actually just gone back to Brazil, unfortunately. Womp, womp, womp. Um, but she got back to Brazil. And she's like, "Hey, download WhatsApp," and I'm like, "Huh?" And she's like, "Download WhatsApp." I'm like, "I, don't, I use WhatsApp." She's like, "Yeah, oh, everyone, no. everyone in Brazil uses WhatsApp," and I'm like, right. "Why don't you use iMessage?" And she's like. I don't know, because no one uses iMessage. But then You're she right. started showing her friends all the cool stuff you can do in iMessage. And they're like, oh, this is better than WhatsApp. So <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that we single-handedly convert the whole of Brazil from WhatsApp to iMessage. Right, right. That's the thing. It's like such... It's so funny because iMessage is on the phone out of the box, but these people, like everybody here is the same. They just don't use it. They just move it to some folder and then they use WhatsApp. It's so weird. They've never tried it. It's weird to even think that you haven't even really tried it because for us, it just became our new SMS. It was also that in New Zealand. Like, I love it. I don't, I find it annoying to open WhatsApp. Is it because in other countries, SMS isn't as like SMS wasn't as prevalent? Like, why did these Mm. apps take hold there? I think it's a lot of things. I think it's also like Europe is uh, not as iPhone heavy as the US, I think. Android is predominant here or almost predominant. Um, and I think that's mm. because Apple came to Europe later with the iPhone. Like it's it's been here for a long time, don't get me wrong, but it rolled out slower here. So I think it's probably that. Like a lot of people bought Android phones. A lot of people like Android phones. Right. Yeah, that's weird. And that's actually I think that's why. Yeah, Drew was saying that uh, iPhones are really expensive in Brazil. So a lot of people have I, uh, Apple right. or um, Android phones. Yeah, it's a, it's a entry entry level thing, and WhatsApp works in general. Don't need Facebook, which helps. I don't know a lot of different yeah, stuff. Not, I think a lot of I think a lot of plans used to also include a number of text messages that you could yep. send. Right? Yeah. Oh man, classic! <laughs> I remember that back in the day. That was pretty crazy. 
Yeah, uh, I don't miss that. It was like, you've got 500 texts this month. And I'm like, 500? That's so many. And then you send like that in a week. I, I yeah, know, yeah. Back in the <laughs> old days, at least. 500 seems like a lot now. <laughs> I know. What do you have play, to say? <laughs> play, playing Snake and then using uh, your 500 uh, text li- message limit. Yeah. Like, hey, what's up? Not much. You done two texts. Two texts. <laughs> it adds up. Oh man, we, well, we had We also hadn't invented. Um, <laughs> we hadn't invented uh, text speak yet at that point. So yeah, words right. were longer. Yeah, I just I just remember texting a lot, and now I'm like, please God, nobody message me. Like I'm, I'm conversationed out. <laughs> I wonder if there so. I suspect that part of why. So remember, you also have, you used to have a character limit, or it split it into two texts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I bet that's why Leet speak sort of really. Oh, definitely. A, so if we had a if we had to just jump straight to, not that right, like just be able like iMessage. We never not had SMS with the. <laughs> do you think it never would have picked up as much as it did? I don't know. It's so. Uh... It's, it's so hard to thought. say. I, I don't know. Like, I feel like LeetSpeak, they claim that it came from hacks, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird. And now we're going to have like haters. That's the thing. It's so <laughs> it's funny too, because like, people, people say things to me all the time and I'm like, right. I don't even know what that, like it, it took me forever to know what HBU meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, HBU, really? <laughs> And now everybody on the podcast, everybody listening is going to be like, HBU? <laughs> How about you? Yeah. But okay. One thing I want to say is I use all these like acronyms, right? First of all, I use a lot of acronyms. I have to definitely have to look up your acronyms sometimes. But you know, like, uh, you know, IIRC, right? If I recall correctly. Yeah. So I use that one all the time and a lot of other ones like. Um, For what it's worth. Or, yeah, for what it's worth, or AFK, or whatever. Uh, but people here don't get it, because the Dutch have different acronyms. So I have to always be like, oh, sorry, uh, yeah, if I recall correctly. Oh, God. So I write the acronym, then have to explain it. <laughs> and it's just something I never really thought of. Like, I always thought that um, each language kind of still used, you know, because everybody knows what LOL is, even if you don't speak English. I think it's fairly universal in a way. Um, but each language has its own acronyms too, so it's kind of crazy. But also, uh, if I recall correct, like I was, so this is the other thing I've been learning recently, um, or just like as I've started to think mm-hmm. about language barriers. Um, it's interesting how we speak, we meet someone who speaks fluent English, but it's not their first language, and right. how. The way that you put a sentence together in English is so contextual, but the context right, right. is very informal. It's super subtle. Whereas like, mm-hmm. say in like Korean or something like that, the way that you structure a sentence is contextual, but it's also right. formally t- contextual. Right. So I could say to you, if I recall correctly, but I could also say, if I remember that well, it means almost the right. exact same thing, right? Yeah, but an, it's exactly it, depending the same thing. on how you learn English would determine. Wow. Yeah. There's so many mind fucks like this on a daily basis here. I really have it all the time where I'm like, no, 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 sorry. It's a misunderstanding. I didn't mean it like in a rude way. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> whatever, I, like, you know. I sometimes think people are like, well, yeah. like I assume everybody here thinks I'm a giant asshole, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Why is this guy well, so like polite? <laughs> We also talk to each other in a very 
Um, like if English wasn't your first language and you listen to us talk, you might sometimes think that we don't like each other very much because we like, oh, for sure. but we let, like, we're really good friends, which is why we yeah. can talk that way. But yeah, these guys hate each other. They're so angry all the just time. Like, yeah. But we love talking about stuff. Speaking about talking about stuff. <laughs> Tech under the hood. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of it, cars. Are we gonna are we gonna do the podcast today? Or are we just gonna? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, well, let's talk about the self driving cars thing this week, which was unexpected. Actually, I, I don't know if you saw it coming. I don't know. It was. I knew that it was. Uh, I knew that it was working its way through, but I didn't know that it was where it was. Okay, so let me get this right. So, self driving cars. The house approved a bill to put more on the roads, uh, unanimously as well, but. It still has to pass the Senate. So it's a huge win because it means you don't have to do this like rubbish, um, such a like stringent approval process, right? Like that's the whole idea. Yeah. So I would say that they sort of, so pretty much I'd imagine a lot of Americans would disagree with me on this, but right. Um, the way I kind of look at it is that the house typically tends to represent the people pretty well right. and the senate tends to in, uh, represent the special interests pretty well so if you're a lobbyist you're more likely to be lobbying into the senate and senators than you are congress and congressmen congress really f- tends to although i'm not saying that they're like not influenced or whatever But Mm -hmm. when you look at those two things, like Senate will usually sort of pass non-industry related stuff pretty quickly and like not with too, 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 too much debate. Um, But other laws that are usually industry focused have a history of being very slow through the Senate because there needs to be a lot of conversation between senators and industry well there's so many like impacts of this bill right because if it goes through it basically could accelerate the loss of jobs so i imagine that'll be a huge talking point um yeah (laughs) i mean it frees them up to do a lot more testing Uh, i mean it does i mean if you look at if you look at the way that this law it's literally apparently called the self-drive act which is awesome uh it basically frees up companies who want to test self-driving cars from state legislation so they only have to comply with federal legislation and boom you got a self-driving car on the road whereas right now like apple google whatever have to apply through california and then federal it's all this thing right so in theory this would speed up everything for sure i mean it's like it's like this is so we've always said you know this has been the 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 underlying conversation in the venture and like i work in this space we talk about it all the time talk right. to venture capitalists about it all the time i talk to the auto industry executives about it all the time every single person knows like it's so it's so interesting because you'll go through a two-hour conversation about the technology and implementing the technology and where we are and how close we are and you know what standards and um the the levels of autonomy and all that kind of stuff and what lidar is doing and what waymo's do yada 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 and you get through all that and you're like wow yeah we're really close this is amazing can I actually do this and you're like yeah but <laughs> lawmakers and so it's always been known that 
self-driving car technology will be available to the general public, not at the speed of the technology, but at the speed of the law and the policymakers and the people who are um, allowing it to exist in the real world. I would say that that this probably happened faster than anyone expected it to. My suspicion is that it's going to be relatively hard for the Senate to not pass it, but I think that it's going to sit for a long time in the Senate, maybe even a whole year in the Senate, because I think wow. that, uh, yeah, because I think that um, unions and um, policy report kind of policy people from the it, uh, it, like right it's just know, gonna just be think of how thing. think of how much this changes the um the um insurance industry if accidents mm, go down right. to some insanely low amount of accidents like what do you need huge insurance premiums and huge insurance right for yeah right so it's in just fact gonna what happens up. if the automotive manufacturer just takes on all of the insurance uh, it really liability. makes me think of like <laughs> want to try this one weird trick for your economy <laughs> like <laughs> this one weird trick fucks up your economy <laughs> just just to prove it uh i sorry it's so inappropriate but it's also it's so true like that was funny it impacts sorry this ad every time it just makes me think of that but it's it's true this impacts every single every single thing um and I think it's hard to discount that, but it is interesting to see that it's already passed the house. Like I really did not expect it to have uh, happened already. So it's interesting, you know, I think the thing that's really important to think about in this is in theory, actually productivity will increase like, um, right. But it's, um, there's going to be a huge dip in productivity before mm. that happens. Right. Um, because the time that people have to read and sit around and think about things and write some code on the side or whatever mm-hmm. while they're sitting in a self-driving car and like not having to think about the journey so much forever. Right, so it doesn't have to be so scary. But that that's a long time frame until that catches up in the economic the ec automation is always well, it's actually not true. <laughs> I was going to say automation is always resulted in more productivity, but actually I think what we found is that automation has, um, because of the way that upward mobility in the education system is set mm-hmm. up, um, automation creates considerable more productivity for a small percentage of people in the economy but it obviously removes productivity for a large percentage of the economy. And so without getting it, without either bringing up the level of upward mobility across the people who are being automated so that they can contribute to the new economy, you do result in this situation where people are being left behind, which is exactly Exactly. what's going on in America right now. Right, and you don't have any framework for UBI Moving or anything like forward, that as well. Exactly, like, exactly. There's exactly. nothing. Um, whereas, you know, in countries like the Netherlands, they're already experimenting with UBI, so you have a lot of tricky stuff to play with right there. It's kind of a. It's interesting. It's kind of interesting, just most, mostly to me because it moved forward now. Like I really thought that it would take longer, but I think also the. 
I think you do see other countries moving forward faster on this, and I think the US probably is aware that it's going to happen. Um, and they want to be a, p- a place where self-driving is researched and embraced or whatever, you know? Well, Vladimir Putin came out and said that the AI race is on and that Russia's going to win it. So that's... Yeah, I that's, saw that. Um, what? Makes my Ooh. stomach churn. Yeah, like, okay, the same people who have troll agencies are going to... Yeah, great. Ugh, terrible. Anyway, I've been thinking about this topic since, well when I found out about it earlier this week. So apparently there's this huge thing going on in the cinema industry right now, cinema industry, film industry, (laughs) wrong word, that technology companies are bidding for movies or the rights to movies. So they're bidding directly against companies like Sony, MGM, all of these kind of different people, uh, driving the price up a lot uh, for the exclusive rights to the movies. And two things are happening. One, the price is going wild for those rights. And then number two the studios are shitting themselves. (laughs) Um, And so the company, like this specific example that I think is really interesting today is uh, Apple and Amazon are fighting to the death for the rights to James Bond because with James Bond, unlike a lot of other movies like um, Star Wars is a great example. Disney acquired the rights to that. Like they, they have it forever. That's it. Uh, James Bond hasn't worked that way. They've actually generally done it in packages. So three to five movies at a time. And it's interesting because now Apple and Amazon are basically fighting directly against MGM and Sony. And these studios are scared. They're trying to peer pressure, you know, the 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 rights holders into actually buying this thing. And so it's like this weird thing is happening where it makes me think of Tidal. Like, I don't even know if that's still a thing. I assume it is. But anyway, that's something else. Uh, like Kanye West released all his music there exclusive with this album. You had to go on Tidal and it was like a whole shit show that's going to happen with cinema. Like do we, if Apple buys the rights to movies, they assumably release it in the theater, but only put it on iTunes on day one as well. At the same time, like I, what I imagine is Apple wants to buy the rights, put it in theaters and you can watch that movie at home on day one. Holy shit. <laughs> it could completely ruin it for consumers, right? Like you'll have this weird war with Amazon and Apple. What subscription service do I go on to get access to the movies I want based on what I like? Look, what makes it worse for me is that, you know, an hour ago I saw this um, Disney's planning to pull Star Wars, uh, all of the Marvel movies and all of its own other content onto its own platform starting in 2019. Also, why would you announce that in advance? Weird. But you're going to have this thing where Disney has a platform, Apple has a platform, Netflix has a platform, Amazon has a platform, and it's going to be a pain in the ass. It's the only time the telcos become relevant again because it's like, well... Get, I'll, just pay, I'll pay you my uh i'll pay you my hundred bucks a month and you make sure that i have all of those channels mm. so you think you, it'll be a, a, like a oh god it'll be like this package deal thing where you can access x services <laughs> with, your, with your plan what happens wall gardens get be, become wall gardens they get broken up and then they become they come become packaged again that's always how it kind of works right oh so man. you know what i went nasty. to school for right film right yeah and so right so you know this well i i thought a lot in film school about the film industry and um i got out of film and moved into technology so i went to to school for digital imaging technology 
and I'm 30. I'll be 32 in December. Oh my and God. I know Sorry. I graduated when <laughs> I was 20. I, I graduated in 2006, I think. 2000. Wow. That doesn't make any sense. Does it? I don't know. Anyway, it was like a while ago. So, um, but I, so I was the first cohort through my program. My program oh, was wow. brand new. And before, so the school I went to what, did have a film program um, and it still ran, but then they started offering another program called Digital Imaging Technology. Um, and I went to a technical college and, um, and it was interesting because it was the old, uh, the reason I applied for it was it was the only school in Canada that had a strictly digital imaging program. You didn't learn about analog. You learned analog oh, wow. concepts, dodge and burn and stuff like that. But you had to shoot on digital. You had to edit digitally. You had everything had to be shown digitally. You couldn't print. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. So it's probably pretty early for that as well, right? Like, that's, Yeah, that's what I mean. It was like, it was like... 10 years ago i got i guess right like wow yeah god over 10 years ago oh, way over 10 years ago shit I'm getting... our pc it was right like it'll be like g5s back then or something yeah i remember when cs came out i think i was in college yeah. so i guess that's how long ago it was it's been that many versions of photoshop since um huh. but so as so i graduated and started this um joined this guy Patrick and we kind of got this thing going together. It was a film company. And then, um, we ended up making, you know, the little well, grew the company and it became pretty successful. And then, um, it, still motion won uh, three Emmys for a show called game of honor that we made. Um, and wow. yeah, so it, it became a, There's and Patrick still rises you. today. It's still, 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 uh, still exists. Still motion.ca. Um, so anyway, uh, during that time, one of the things and the reason I got out of film was what I was realizing was the commoditization of film. And by that, I mean the artistry, like the thing that was difficult about film before is that it wasn't accessible to artists who couldn't either sell their story, which is why they had agents and stuff like that. Like artists are really bad right, right. at selling themselves um, or they didn't have resource or whatever. Right. And one of the things like we didn't, well, Patrick was an, is an absolutely amazing artist. I'm like, I mean, you can go look 500px.com forward slash John. Like I'm okay. Oh, but I'm, I love 500 pics. Yeah. 500px.com forward slash John. Like I'm okay, but I'm not like, you know, world, world class. And Patrick is like world, world class. But I was okay at thinking about the tech stuff, and he was pretty good at thinking about tech stuff too. And so we didn't really win because, and and I mean, Patrick has won. He still had films at Sundance now. Like he's won so many things. He's so good. And we didn't get to that point because necessarily just that we were good, but we understood how to take, you know, like uh, we worked with this guy in Thunder Bay, like literally machining tools to like clip onto our camera and stuff like that. Whoa, but, that's cool. Yeah, it was cool. And um, but we knew that eventually all of this stuff that we were just hacking together, like Canon would build it in, and like there would be new brands right, right. that would come out and stuff like that. And when you think about that, then you're like, well, there's going to be a huge commoditization where anyone who's a really amazing artist can get good access to good technical stuff, so they can have high production quality. And the thing that makes a good production 
is a great story told well with high production quality. That's what people care about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So g- good. So good content is hard to find. Basically, the thing yeah, that's interesting like you, is you that really good, go through a lot of crap to get there. Right. But good content is getting easier and easier and easier to make and find. Right. And so there's a lot of competition in artistry right it's now. It's a democratization of the, all of the tools that I think that creators right. use, right? Like raw power is easy to come by. You can get great lenses. You can get cheap cameras. Like it's it, the whole thing. It's Gyros, just wild right now. steady cams, yeah, everything are getting really, really cheap. So you can, so the stuff you see in Sundance is getting better and better and better. And right. so that, so that's all happening. But then the other thing that I was thinking about when I was younger was, where is the audience going to live? Like, where is this content going to be consumed? And that was the hardest question to answer, actually. And because you can't understand that question, because you can't answer that question well, it's super hard to understand mm-hmm. who you're making things for because you don't understand where your audience lives. Interesting. So, yeah. So, like, you're like, well, if I'm ma- like... I don't know where teenagers are going to be consuming content in the next little while. So should I be making short form vignettes for snap? Like, I mean, Snapchat wasn't even a thing that we were thinking about then. Right. But <laughs> my point is that the the channels are changing the way that we, the way that we consume content, the channels that we consume content through have not only shifted massively in the last 10 years, but they actually still haven't figured themselves out, which is even more bizarre. Like it's actually, everyone cobbles together their own little thing that they like. I watch some C-SPAN, I watch some YouTube, right. I watch some Netflix. You know, if I'm in the, if I'm in the corner store, maybe I'll watch mm-hmm. some cable, but you know, everyone cobbles together their own little experience that they have. Maybe someone has a Roku and Hulu or whatever. And so right. it's, so then you go, well, well, what needs to happen, right? And the answer is the good content needs to get on a, on a relatively commoditized, utilitized platform. And then and there needs to be original content. And then that's how that platform will take hold and that platform will win. So that's so why Netflix, you, Apple TV. Right. Blah, so that's blah, blah. why you see these weird things happening right now where you'd see, you would say, You'd see Disney say, well, the content, the, the customers are on Netflix, so the content should be on Netflix because at the end of the day, we still need viewing. Right. But as the technology commoditized, the ability to create the channel yourself. Um, well, it also means that they're letting Netflix win it for free, right? Like they're feeding Netflix's engine by giving them all of that stuff. Whereas if they take a bet, build a streaming service themselves, they well, might they get a cut. They wouldn't have known how to do it. It wasn't a core competency that they held when Netflix came out. They wouldn't have known how to do it. Right? You you have to build up a comp- competency. And what the enterprise companies have been doing over the last 10 years or so has slowly but surely shifting themselves from whatever they were before, many of the manufacturing businesses, into technology companies. Some of them more successfully than others. And so what we're seeing Disney do in an incredibly successful way. And I own Disney stock. And the reason I'm going to buy more Disney stock is they're one of the best enterprises at converting themselves into a technology company. By the now, way, they're getting hammered right now. No, it's great. I love it. It's on sale. So if they come out with an app that's four bucks a month, and has their mm-hmm. whole library of all of their content on it. You don't think every single mom in America um, is gonna and dad in America is gonna um, 
download that and pay the two bucks a month. And if they're smart, it depends how they price it. It's it's it all does. down to that. It does. And then you, what you want to do is you want to do the in-app purchases through the Apple mm-hmm. stuff and like you know, and uh, you could probably make a pretty good experience. So mm-hmm. I I'm. Not I a just, not surprised is happening, and I don't know that I'm necessarily opposed to it because I think that well, it's it's look, interesting because the lack of content drove technology innovation. Right. Then now there's been a stagnancy in technology innovation, but the ability to understand how to build the baseline technology has become pretty obvious. So now Disney can go build a Netflix competitor, right. or can go build. But a, you know, I think the biggest risk for Disney right now is that. If you look at what Netflix did in the last, how long has it been? Five years? Well, I mean, they've been around for like 10 years, but I think in the last five years, they pivoted this company in such an interesting way. They like, they really thought it was all about the technology. They doubled down on the technology. And then like, I think two years ago, three years ago, they realized, holy shit, okay, we're pretty good at the technology, but we have to nail this content. And Netflix got good at being a content company faster than I think Disney can get good at being a digital no, company. No, they didn't. They didn't. They got they, good No, fast. they didn't. They didn't. Oh, and you know how they got good fast? How? They picked a couple of good bets on a couple of producers and well, directors. I suppose what I mean. Who bought, they bought a couple of good shows. But remember, 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 remember. Owen, Owen, Owen. Remember. The best shows that we've seen, the best things that have been long lived, have been done by a studio, in a studio, friends, whatever, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. With a team of writers. You're not just buying content off the street. We've talked about this before. Like, half Mm -hmm. the problem right now is you can't actually buy content on the street. Right, because Netflix wanders off, goes by, buys the concept off the street, but they don't get this, like... So the hardest thing, repeatable ideas. So, well, that's, so then it goes down to back to one thing. What are you trying to do? And then then (laughs) so this is what we haven't seen in a long time. And this is what we're about to see again is a franchise and Mm -hmm. a brand tied to the content. Right. So that's the hardest thing to build. And studios Mm -hmm. are very good at building that because they have connections to Habo and connections to um, Lego and connections to, um, you know, Mattel and all these other companies. And so they can come up with the mugs and the hats and the posters and the whatever, right? It's not like we have like House of Cards. Yeah, it's about franchising. Merge. Yeah, it's franchising, right? But so that's, that's why the James the Bond, Bond thing, thing well. is super... Exactly. Yeah. That's why the Bond thing is super interesting. That's why Apple wants it, right? They can make this whole crazy ecosystem of shit around it. Uh, Apple Music, rah, rah, rah. like there's a hundred million things they can do with that and sell all of it. Um, but they can also like mess up cinemas. I think cinemas are a great example of a c- industry that's really broken. Doesn't I matter. Really, as a millennial, I hate them. Yeah, well, that's, I guess what I mean. Like, I can tell you for sure that at some point in the very near future, you'll watch movies in VR. Like, 100%. I'm 100% convinced. You'll go with your friends, you'll all buy 100%. tickets and you'll watch it together. Whenever you 100%. feel like it. But the 100%. license won't, you'll buy the license, right? One time use. And it I won't think- start until you're all in there. I think that you'll, well, I think that there'll be two things that'll happen. I think cinemas will move more to mini amusement parks. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's this thing in, um, I don't know if you've ever experienced an interactive IMAX. No. I th- the only place I've ever, ha- 
The only place I've ever tried one is Science North in Sudbury years huh. ago. Science North is a really cool thing. And if you're a Canadian and you're listening and you live in Ontario, pretty much my most favorite thing in the whole entire world I ever did was a ki- as a kid was go to Science North. My dad took us there and it was it's a huge pain in the ass to get there. It's in the middle of nowhere. Sudbury is not even like a place. But they had one of the first, I, I think IMAX was actually invented in Canada. Don't quote me on that, but I, oh, think, wow. I, I think, maybe look it up. Can you Google it? Anyway, um, <laughs> they had interactive IMAX where the seats moved a little bit. Like this was way before we had shock sheet seats that we see sometimes today. Um, they had, they had, it was the first time I was ever in like 32 speaker Dolby surround with channel right. controlled audio. It was right. IMAX and it was the biggest IMAX screen I've ever seen, but I was younger and mm-hmm. the seats moved a little bit. And I was like, Oh wow. This is the future. <laughs> I remember wow. like, yeah, people would like the first time I ever saw it, there was one of the things we were reviewing was um, a hang, like a, 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 a zip line thing in like the Arctic or something coming down oh, and it was, and it was going on and on and on. And it, the noise was building of, <laughs> and you're coming to the bottom and then you got to the bottom of the sheet. So you just jiggled a little bit and you literally heard people go, ah, like people were just like, so it was like, and I was like, this is going to be something crazy in the future. So I think cinemas will become more like inter- personal interactive experiences mm-hmm. or like personal it'll be it'll um, be the experience haptic experiences right right um but but at home you're right i think your friends will come over you'll rent the thing mm-hmm. you'll enjoy it together on the couch but it's a little weird because you'll like oh god dude i just like don't like this idea of us all no, sitting on the couch together with know, headsets on. no you why, why will you go together though you'll just like watch it at your house with your friends we're there somewhere else. Why oh my god, it? that's even worse. I know, but it's also I hate the cinema just because it is like annoying. Like people are horrible in cinemas, especially here. God. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think it's less likely that you'll go to somebody's house and watch, and more likely that you'll watch together alone, <laughs> which is really sad. <laughs> the future is bad. Uh, but in the future, you can pause the movie uh, in the middle of it when your friends feel like it and talk. Like, it's weird. It's so weird. Do we want this future we're screen. building? Yeah, it's creepy, huh? We're, it's very self centered entertainment that we're doing these days. Like, it's super like. Well, everybody has short term, like, they don't want to wait for anything. So self centered so, entertainment. Like even millennials, even what well, you said, the, what's like, the next generation? I don't know. But even what you just said, like, I hate going to the theater because I have to experience society. <laughs> People are annoying. <laughs> oh, I just feel terrible now. I'm going to go take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next topic. Oh, so this bad. is terrible. I'm done. Okay. Next topic. China banned ICOs. Good job. It happened. Yeah. You think so? I, I actually, yeah, I agree. Don't with care. You. Um, just like it was interesting to see them move so swiftly. So a lot of the weird ICOs are coming out of China. China, I think, was the biggest market before the US in terms of like uh, ICO volume. Um, they basically outlawed a raising from an ICO and b they made it retroactive to illegal uh, to raise money through it. So they basically ruled that the ICOs were illegal securities, and that if you would raise that way, you had to refund everything. It's 
I mean, it's it's a pretty bold ruling. I love it. <laughs> so, I mean, we already have accredited the, investor status here in the U.S. Right. This is what I'm saying. Like, the only reason this exists, everybody's arguments for ICOs are, oh, it goes around the like investment system, and I'm like, that I don't I don't like that though. <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily agree with all the red tape, but so shit. Like, it's interesting. ICO is like a wild west. Well, you know, it's interesting. So, this is a little bit of a weird way to look at it, but something to chew on. You say, "Well, we have accredited investor status, right?" And you're not allowed. And you're not allowed to sell a security to someone unless they're kind of your friend. Like, there's some. You know, right, there's a right. small it's, list of like things, an, initial, but whatever. Yeah. But just for, for all for all intents and purposes, you're not really allowed to sell a security to someone unless they're an accredited investor. It's less about you being able to buy a security from someone um, when you're not an accredited investor, but more you're not allowed to like go out and actively solicit selling securities to people who are not accredited investors. What is the reason for that? I'm going to assume because otherwise, well, I... Okay, I'm probably giving you the wrong answer, but it's basically because otherwise. No, just answer. Oh, well, I was going to say because otherwise you're not going to be explaining it properly. Like this, there's a whole bunch of like um, dancing you do. You have to explain the whole offering. I assume I'm wrong, but right, and then and then like and then you go to someone's house and you like tell them some stuff, and then they invest in your security, yeah. and, and it has to do money, exactly right? what it said. So would you say that's consumer protection? Well, that's what that's why you have accredited investors because they it's like both ways, right? I'm guessing based on my so, limited knowledge. Yeah, no, that's exactly no, that's exactly they say there's a regulation. It's accredited investors. It means that you can't just go out and like wander down right. the street and try and sell your like bullshit thing to someone being like you'll get a return in ten years because and I'm here's, inventing here's a number I'm the tied time into machine. my calculator. <laughs> Right. Right. That's the actual issue, right? So, because ICOs go to the market and just say, well, so, well, right. So, wait a second. So, that's why we have accredited investor status in theory or whatever. Now, is it to protect rich people from having a flood of investments into investment opportunities? Now, that's an interesting thing. Surely not. imagine yeah i don't know because to be an accredited investor you already have so to you, be rich you're, you're, you're i have to li- limiting i the have funnel. to do this i have to do i literally by law it's quite in, in fact i'll just i'll just say this <laughs> i think i don't think i'm in any breach of nda Good. it's probably not very nice to say this but i'll just say it anyway <laughs> um 10 cent was gonna was we were in the mm. final stages of signing the term sheet with Tencent to invest in our company. And I like to play things super, super safe. And so I send every single investor an investment mm-hmm. survey, which basically determines that they are an accredited investor, right? It's to assess their accredited investor status and to like have a document that I assess their accredited investment status. Tencent emailed back and said, sent this like huge long email being like we can't believe you're asking us to do this don't you know that we're the second largest company in the world how can you not know who Tencent is so like is? please blah, blah, don't blah, make blah, us blah. do the work yeah so I was like 
not only am I not going to ask you to do this, I'm no longer going to invite you to invest in my company. But yeah, because I was like, if you think you're so amazing, like I'd ask Tim Cook to do this. It's a formality. If you think you're above the paperwork. (laughs) And so is the attitude. But anyway, my point is I go through and make sure that everyone is an accredited investor. And that is that you have to have a certain amount of cash. You have to have a certain amount of assets. You can only be a accredited investor if you're already enriched. So that means that if you're not rich, you can't buy this stuff. So like, is it to protect consumers or is it to stop people from buying them? A bit of both. I definitely think that the whole thing is partially to lock out the general public. So that, that, that second perspective is the Bernie Sanders system is right. rigged perspective. Right. And that's what the whole meme of ICOs kind of plays on as well. Like, oh, you can finally invest in this thing. But the other reason that you can't invest in this thing is because you're probably going to get scammed. Like, I mean, my favorite example of this, I was looking at it this week. Um, so this is the biggest ICO yet, and I'm not calling it a scam, but uh, the biggest one is called Filecoin, which is like this whole, they raised 200 million. They got money from Andres and Horowitz, by the way, and a preferred coin raise, whatever the fuck that means. The the whole thing is, if you look at it, every ICO has this weird similar thing. They have like a PDF that explains technical shit that makes like no sense to anybody, let alone blockchain engineers. And the Filecoin one is something about, if you've ever seen Silicon Valley, it's like literally this. It's like distributed Dropbox. We're going to store your shit on everybody's computers. Dude. And I'm like, that's true, but hard drives are cheap. Dude, I, some investor... So I had lunch with a bunch of investors like a mm-hmm. month ago and they, exp- and they were like talking about this thing and how, <laughs> how great like, it is. It's the, it's the, yeah. And I was like, can you explain it to me? Oh, well, it's the and they explained it to and, me. Uh, coins. No, I no, dude. I literally, I was like, so like, I understand it. Like I understand why it's an interesting bet. But the amount of consumer mindset shift and stuff that has to happen for this versus just like more likely what's going to happen, I'm going to pay nine bucks a month to back shit up to my Apple's cloud and like it's just going to be backed up and I'm not going to care. Like, and what? Then I'm going to like be storing someone else's files and get a check in the mail for 75 cents every month. Or like, I'm just like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Like, this actually makes no sense. It's literally sense. the and plot I, of Pied Piper. Like, it's a scam. <laughs> dude, so then, it's so funny. I'm speaking, I don't think you'll mind me saying right. this. I was speaking to Tim the yeah. other day, our head of product mm-hmm. at Stay, and he's like, we're talking about some, like, issues in government services or whatever, and we're talking about the, basically, like, the reconc- like transactional stuff, real-time transactional stuff, right? And I'm like, why wouldn't you just use Aurora for this? Like Google has a real like millisecond real time globally distributed. Like just use Aurora. Is it, is it Aurora's Google's thing or Amazon's thing? They're like, I don't know. Oh, Spanner. Spanner. Right. Google Spanner. I think that's what I'm talking about. I, oh, I could just be completely out to lunch right now. Let me just check. Yeah. So like, no, I'm right. Yeah, I'm totally right. So like, 
okay, I get everyone at home's like, you're talking about apples and oranges, blah, 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 blah. I get it. But what I'm saying is there's some better underlying technologies for building uh, reconciled, like reconciled, like what effectively the top of the top of the blockchain is, is almost just a checksum. Like it's just, it's a regex. It's not that interesting, right? So if the interesting part is the distributed peer-to-peer global stuff, you can do that on cloud providers and stuff now. Right. Like do it across Aurora and but Spanner. But also like, like data storage is cheap. Re- like it's just, <laughs> I don't get it. It's, no, it's, it's just a good scam. It's a pyramid right. scheme. Everybody's probably yelling at us like, you guys don't get it. But I really... Yeah, we. Well, I mean, we might not too, fine, to be honest. But honestly, it looks like a scam thing, to me. I don't care. Like, I agree. I tend to agree with you, honestly. And when you and I agree on things, I feel like we're not out to lunch. I hope so. But message us in Slack hope, if you're well, like, I hope, all we I hope we're wrong. I much. I I much I much prefer being wrong about this stuff. Let me tell you. I would like to be wrong but 200 million dollars i always love what i'm wrong. like it's a lot of money anyway so china outlawed these icos because they're shady <laughs> i think the u.s will do it eventually right i mean the sec already said basically that they'll stop uh they, they'll investigate icos in the future my suspicion is that they'll just add they'll like add it to an existing regular they'll just call it a security that already exists and then you'll just have to follow whatever existing regulation is until enough lobbyists get involved and stuff, but we'll see. I mean, this is definitely the beginning. So I had a little conversation with Yorick. I said, I asked to just ask him what oh, he thought yeah. was going to happen with, um, just in a DM, what was going to happen with Bitcoin. And he said, I don't really know. Um, and he said, he thought about it a little bit. He thinks it's a little bit of a bubble. There's a lot of people yada, yada, in yada. on Bitcoin and our Slack, by the way. Well, so yeah, there are. So he asked me what I thought. And I said, I don't really know what will happen. I think two things I can say for sure are there's a lot of real cash money invested in this thing. Mm-hmm. So that means that there's interest, parentheses, there's interest, parentheses, demand. But I don't understand the vests in the interest. So I don't really understand what's behind what's behind the curtains. Like, I don't understand what people's vested interests are, like why this is happening. So, because I almost at this point don't even buy the speculation. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm just getting more skeptical. (laughs) Right, which means I don't believe that it's it's people are or sorry, I don't believe in the speculation thing because I'm getting more skeptical. I don't believe people are doing this because of speculation. Like, so I said, if someone's playing a game here and forcing something, then it's really hard to know how it tips. But it genuinely feels like it's. And this is like total tinfoil hat territory, straight up. And I was like, it almost feels like an organized attack on both central bank and the concept of currency generally, but by a very small number of people. Like, I just find it hard to believe that this price, like, I understand that the because of the fact that it, you can't mine tons more of it, it does have like a gold type or oil type underlying scarcity factor to it. But what are you banking on this thing being the the commodity? It's just of? a it's a medium like, for trading just the next money. Generation that's, of, yeah. that's yeah. Just, well, the whole thing is everybody's claiming it's tied to nothing. That's the whole point. It's a medium for exchanging currency. I don't. I do not buy. I just feel like they're like. I think there's a lot of arguments going on, right? Like everybody's getting rich, everybody's losing money. Like that's what's going on. 
It's this weird... I feel like too much further down this road gets into conspiracy theory, but like, I it is it's just so bizarre, and it but it makes me feel like there's something I don't know, mm-hmm. like at all. Like I just because I I've oh, really I really try to understand this thing. thing. Yeah, I, sure, but I, the thing is, I still haven't had anybody explain it to me in a way. I like I'm not. I was going to say I'm not I'm yeah, not a dumb person, but I'm not a smart man. But I still haven't met any engineer who can explain why this matters to me at all, other than saying because everybody else is buying it. Like, or like it might be this thing. Yeah, it might it might be a thing. It could be a th- means for. Uh, I like the. I think blockchain as a mechanism is interesting. Everything that's built on top of it right now the is market, weird. Okay, the market. I feel like this is every of, episode encapsulated, John. <laughs> I know. It's so crazy. Like the market cap of it right now is seventy-seven billion dollars. Yeah, people are just pouring cash into it because it's like, well, let's just risk it. But I think that's also a side effect of like, if you look at all of Europe, you might as well spend your money somewhere because your savings rates suck. So you might as well just risk a bit on Bitcoin. I think that's what a lot of people are doing. I've heard people say that too. Is they're like, where else are you going to put your I money? I keep seeing it like, everywhere right know. now, and they're like, you're gonna. And then I'm like, no, literally my friends are like, well, where else are you going to put your money? And I'm like, they're like, and then I'm in my head, I'm like stock market. But, and then I know if I say the stock market, they'll yeah, laugh right. at me because that's exactly what they're yeah, not exactly. doing. Well, it's also complicated. And real estate's not a good investment right now either. So yeah, it's, it's weird. Anyway, that's that. It's illegal in China. I think it'll happen in the US at some point. Let's talk about the headphone jack for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> so, okay. There's this amazing video. If you're listening to this, stop this right now. Go on chargepodcast.com. Look at the video. A guy, a guy basically. It's 30 minutes long. This guy. The, so, okay, for context, he's he lives in Shenzhen. He's a software engineer. That's actually where the iPhone is made. I think a year ago, he spent six months making an iPhone from spare parts from, from scratch to save money, and he did it. But now he he spent the last six months making an ISO iPhone 7 with a working freaking headphone jack without sacrificing any functionality. It is freaking wild. I was like reading, I was like, this guy is a national hero. <laughs> so he did it. He did it. And he said like he only had to move stuff in a minimal way. He actually said that. Well, I watched the whole video. That I mean, it's is, a lot of work. He killed a lot of phones. It was a lot of work. But oh, I think it was a lot of try well, and fail. It, I was just going to say, you know what? It actually, when he got to the end, you're like, okay, if you knew how to do it, like it was, it was months of trial and error. But when he got to the end, you're like, okay, you could do this again. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, in the end, if you distill it down, he moved everything up a bit inside, drilled a hole in it, and made this like weird connector so that it connects to the lightning port. He reverse engineered the like weird dongle thing. Boom, done. So, can I tell you my? F- so, do you know why this whole thing worked? Because he hacked the lightning adapter, right? Because Apple no. released this thing. What? No. Okay. Why? It's great. So where? the headphone jack used to be (laughs) it's crazy there's a part a piece of plastic there's a part there is a part that apple has included and when you look on the service manual it's definitely a very critical part that you should not remove a piece of plastic it is a barometric (laughs) vent (laughs) and the uh barometric vent is supposed to increase airflow to the 
I think actuometer or something. Totally the accelerometer or something. Yeah, altimeter yep. or something. Um, it is a piece of plastic, literally. It's not even like <laughs> it's not even a piece of plastic that's like molded or anything. Yeah, it's, it's just a piece of plastic molded, shoved, but, shoved, yeah. shoved in there. Yeah, yeah. So he took that out, and then there's this big hole there, which is mm. hilarious because the whole time you're like, Apple took this out to save space on the iPhone and make sure that like we no. could have this new awesome thing. No, it's all marketing. It's all marketing. It's just a it's just a piece of plastic in the corner. So he took it uh, out. Then he basically had. Then what he did was he took the, um, the, uh, uh, uh headphone to USB thing that comes with all mm-hmm. the phones now. The dongle, that lets yep. you the dongle, the little, the little white. Oh, it doesn't convert the signal. Yeah. Yeah. He took that. He cut it open, and he then printed a, a flexible PCB. It's <laughs> not even um, that that connected effectively uh three and a half three and a quarter or uh, whatever those the little headphone jacks so two mm. three and a quarter or two and a quarter or whatever one and a quarter whatever inch whatever that is the headphone jack thing can just convert it attach that to a flexible pcb and then he just put a switcher on it and then he attached that to the existing usb cable on the back and so then when and then he and then he also attached the there's like a little tiny tiny chip in there that's that's like the converter chip that is like a proprietary converter chip so then he soldered the converter chip onto the unreal PCB it tip. works it works and so it I, works. I, I was reading this thing i was like what seamlessly oh uh, i can't wait for apple pr to uh write a rebuttal they won't <laughs> no, they definitely won't but it's hilarious oh that's amazing he, hey, gave uh, a, he gave a special. Uh, he gave a special email address at the end to any Apple engineers that wanted to reach out and uh, talk to him about it. That's cool. Um, <laughs> I just love it. Like I, we all knew it was about marketing, like a hundred percent. But it's just kind of amazing. Um, okay, one last thing I want to talk about, John. Uh oh. One last thing. It's actually related to this. Uh, I just wanted to say, um, if you're listening to this, you've probably heard a lot about our Slack community that mysteriously goes in and out of availability. (laughs) Um, I finally launched a thing for it that you can basically, so it's a service. uh, You pay a couple of bucks a month. You get a daily update with all the good shit in tech. It's like this, but in words, Uh, I built a platform for it. It's kind of wild. Um, And you can get community access as part of that. So if you want to try it, uh, there's a trial. And if you sign up, I will invite you. So you can go to char.gd, sorry, slash recharged. Or just just go to chargepodcast.com. It redirects to that website as well. It's in the header. It's cool. Uh, The the money is so uh, to support this podcast, to support further development of charge. So if you want to come and hang out, if you want to get like, I don't know, you don't have to like get ads and shit. That's why I built it. So it's Owen as a service. It's it's me and as a cool. And your it's inbox. It. And there's no ads. <laughs> and that's what I want to keep this as as well. So if you like this, if you want to support us, if you want to get news without uh you know, like I, I made it because I always hated that uh you know, the Verge has a newsletter, the Bloomberg has a newsletter, but they only post links to themselves. And I hate that whole aggregation game. Mm-hmm. So that's why I built this. And- this podcast does actually Owen puts in and Owen just does it himself puts in a lot of work to edit it because there's a lot of things that you don't hear of our microphones getting messed up (laughs) me and John cussing (laughs) yeah me being super weird all these things that we take Mm -hmm. out um and 
we like being able to have presented that way. So I think it's good that now Owen is able to uh, get someone to help us edit it too. So yeah, I think that's that. the cool thing is it can help this go to the next level. Um, and that's why the I did next it. So level. No obligation, but if you want to try it, it's on it's on char.gd slash recharged. It's in beta, but if you sign up now, there's like a discount as long as you don't cancel. <laughs> yeah, that's my spiel. Um, next week, John, we're going to do our ultimate episode. I feel like we let everybody down a little bit, but we're going to have it. We have a good reason for it. So, oh yeah, we do have a good reason. Was that supposed to be this week? Wasn't it? It's super future. Yes, but it will come. I promise. Right. So just we stay actually have a good reason, tuned. and it shouldn't. And it should be if we can pull it off, it'll be pretty good. So the next time we do this, the iPhone 12 will be out. I mean, the eight. <laughs> Uh, I suspect we're probably going to talk sooner next week. Maybe we'll also talk about that. I don't know. Hmm. We'll have to plan that. Do you want to do a Do you want to do a special episode? Maybe we should do a hangout afterwards. Hmm. I will think on this. If you want to hear about uh, what we're going to do for that, go to Twitter at ChargeTech. I'll tweet something with the plan. But for now, <laughs> please go on iTunes and give us hibiscus emojis. That's it. Um, show notes are at chargepodcast.com. I really actually just wanted to say, uh, like, I appreciate that people listen to this. It's really cool. Every week we get crazy emails and Slack and all sorts of stuff. There's all hibiscus emojis everywhere. It's really cool. It was it's pretty been, fun when we started it. We're like, I wonder if anyone will listen to this. And yeah. Now people do. It's, it's been good. more than a year. It's awesome. So, yeah. Thank you. All right. Yeah, we'll <laughs> keep doing note, it if you keep enough. listening. Exactly. We'll probably keep going until there's like yeah, 10 we'll people left. We like hanging out and talking we, anyway. So we fine. do it for Yorick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he will we love that. We do do it for Yorick. All right. All right. John, I'll talk to you next week. Bye, Biscus Owen. Bye, Biscus John. <laughs>